Hello, waffle lovers, and welcome to another episode of Whatever Flips Your Waffle on 365sportscast.com. I'm your host, Mark Domeyer, coming to you, as always, from the bunker deep in the heart of southern Minnesota, and we're ready to rock and roll right away. I'm glad you've decided to tune in and listen to some talk about Minnesota sports. Welcome to those of you who are tuning in for the first time and to those of you who check in with us each and every week. Sit back, relax, prepare yourself for another helping of waffles, syrup optional. My interview this week is Jeff Jimenez, a local sports official, and we've got a great interview for you talking all about youth sports and the need for some more umpires and officials. Here we go right now. Joining Whatever Flips Your Waffle on 365 Sportscast this week, Jeff Jimenez from Elbert Lee. He's an official, an umpire, a coach. Jeff, you do it all. Welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. What uh, what led you in your life to officiating, umpiring? What's kind of led you down that road? Uh, well, number one is my love for the games. Um, you know, as you alluded to, uh, you know, I have officiated football, basketball, softball, and baseball, and both are all of those at the high school level. So it's always been my love for sports. Um, because you know, it's it's a way for me to be involved without being able to participate as a player. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we all get to an age where it's <laughs> hard physically to be out there and uh, do the things those great athletes do anymore. But but we can do that. When when in your life did you make that decision? You know, how did you kind of decide to do that? Well, late in the, you know late into the nineties, um, just to get involved in sports you know in the previous life i was in the music industry okay and that pretty much consumed my whole life but i've always you know been attracted to sports it was always that escape for me as a kid um to go where you know i mean like a lot of athletes that's their their outlet that's their escape and sports was always my escape and uh, I just had an opportunity to get into officiating um, in the late 90s, and so I did. And that's when it kind of started. Okay. What, what do you see as the main role of an official in a sporting event? Honestly, to keep the peace. Okay, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, for me personally, I, you know, especially in you know, the way things are today, um, I take a lot of pride in, in trying to keep things level, either on the field, the diamond, or the court. And, uh, you know, that along with, um, you know, just trying to be a good mentor for kids and to maybe bridge that little gap that, you know, officials aren't always the bad guys. Right, yeah. Well, we're just guys that, that love sports. We want to stay involved. And then this is our way of contributing, you know, to athletics. And really, without officials, we hear this a lot, there would be no games. Yeah, and, and that's the truth. You know, uh, I mean, you can still play your pickup games, but, you know, you know, when you've got referees or umpires involved in it, you know, it becomes an event. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, for me, you know, there's nothing more exciting than refereeing a football game on a Friday night being in a gymnasium on a Friday night in a packed house <laughs> or you know or being under the lights on, on the diamond I mean there's just something special about those things yeah I've, I've often said that 
um, high school sports are are the best entertainment there is out there, the best bang for your buck. You can't beat, like you say, a Friday night, wherever it is, whatever sport it is, um, watching these kids compete out there. No, it's, it's, it's awesome. And, you know, in all the years that I've been doing sports, uh, umpiring or officiating sports, and it's, I think I'm in year 22 or 23 now. Okay. Um, you still see some of the most amazing things um from kids yeah and uh, it just you know it just blows you away as an adult to see a 12 year old kid make a spectacular shot or a catch or a tackle or some type of a play out in the field it's, it just right. blows my mind right so you and i have been doing this for about the same amount of time officiating and umpiring and everything and and uh, I, I, it was really funny working with some young kids learning how to umpire. There were a group of us more uh, seasoned veterans sitting around talking about different things we'd seen, like you talk about the amazing plays, the the strange kind of plays. And th- this young kid who's probably about 14, 15 years old said, holy cow, this I could sit here and listen forever because you guys have stories. And it, it, it's true, you and I could probably sit here and share out some stories and maybe we will through the course of this interview um, about really cool things that have happened really odd things that have happened you get a bunch of officials together and and that could go on for a long time oh absolutely and even you know some of the guys that i've been reffing with i you know i don't officiate high school football anymore because obviously i'm committed to nrheg football now yes we appreciate that <laughs> <laughs> You know, that crew of guys that I was officiating with, we were together for 10 years. Yeah. And when we get together, you know, the stories that come out, you know, they're, they're funny, you know, and it's cheap entertainment for a bunch of old guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. What, what's the, what are some of the best parts of being an official? You know, when uh, you step out oh, yeah. there. Oh, yeah, that's an easy one. That's really easy. Um personally to walk onto a field and have kids clap or say or cheer or go yeah we got the good on <laughs> you know and to hear that from a 12 year old kid I don't need anything else than that right then, then I know that I've done my job correctly yes yeah and from there on, and you know, you know, uh, Mark, what it comes down to, it comes down to trust, right? And and I believe that, um, you know, the times that I do step on, you know, on the field, that the kids that are familiar with me, they don't have to worry about anything other than just playing the game, right? Yep. And, and to me, that is the ultimate compliment, you know, for me as an umpire um, to get, you know, that okay from a 12 year old kid or a 14 year old kid and you know I think that's kind of funny how that works that you know that's the reason we're there right yes well you know that's the reason that we should be there is it's for the kids yeah you know in in all my years of officiating you know there's one thing that I try to never ever ever lose sight of and that they are kids exactly yeah okay and you know um i think that you know maybe the way that i interact with kids might 
be different than other umpires. I don't know. But you and I have worked the games together. Yes. You know, like we did last year. Yep. And I don't know about you, but I had a blast. Oh, it was. <laughs> and, and, you know, you talk about when the kids respond to you. Uh, prior to that game, when I got asked to, to step in and, and work with you for that varsity game, uh, the kids were so excited. And I'm like, well, what are they talking about? And the instant that I met you and shook your hand, I knew this was going to be an awesome night because of the positive energy that you provide. And, and that's where people lose sight. I don't know officials and umpires who, who want to be the bad guy, who want to be the center of attention. I, nobody wants to do that. Right. Nobody wants to be the bad guy. I think um, you go out there and you do the best you can. And, um, and like in all sports, you know, penalties in football, they're mistakes. You know, errors in baseball, they're mistakes. You know, fouls in basketball, they're mistakes. Umpires make mistakes too. Yes. And that's just part of the game. Unfortunately, when umpires or officials make mistakes, it gets modified and blown up and people get angry. Right. And I think that as a society, I think we need to kind of just dial that back just a little bit <laughs> and, and understand that, you know, yeah, I blew that call. Okay, yes, I blew it. I acknowledge it. I blew it. But really, when it comes down to it, are those the reasons why teams either win or lose games? Right. And my answer to that is no. In all the years that I've been officiating sports, have I blown calls? Yes. Uh, I hate to admit it, but yes. Yeah, right. <laughs> I've blown calls before. Yep, we all do. The determining factor of whether it's a win or a loss? Well, no. And forgive me for saying this, but does it really matter in a U13 game? No. No. It, no. it really doesn't. It really doesn't matter. No. Um, because in 20 years, you think that they're going to remember the play at third base that, you know, that Joey got called out on right. and he was actually saved? <laughs> well, no. Nobody's going to remember that. No. No. It's, and, and I can speak, you know, as a former coach, too, when I was a young guy coaching and I would be yelling at officials and the best thing in the world that happened to me was to start officiating. But um, I, I came to the point pretty early in my coaching career that, sure, you might even have a play at the end of a game which could, you know, that allows the winning basket or the winning run or whatever to score and it was the wrong call. Uh, but what I would tell my team was, but what could we have done prior to that? Why did we put ourselves in a position where a wrong call is going to cost us a game? Absolutely. You know, like the previous inning when you had the bases loaded and nobody out and you didn't score. Yeah. Yep. Okay. But, you know, the focus is always on, well, that umpire made that call and we lost. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 the, one of my... The kids might not remember in 20 years, sometimes I do, uh, when my daughter was in elementary basketball in a championship game, you know, whatever, fifth grade it was, and uh, we came back from a 10-point deficit to take a one-point lead, uh, and then the other team got a shot off before the buzzer and it went in. The girl clearly traveled, they didn't call it, they win the game, and my girls were so upset. I go, but girls, we were down by 10. Why were we down by 10? You know, if we weren't in that position, we win the game going away. Right. So that exactly. one, that one call, some people that were probably volunteering um, and got a hot dog as their payment for the day, um, <laughs> that, yeah. that was about it. So you know, officials make mistakes. We all know that. Um, is that the most difficult part of being an official, knowing I made a mistake, or is there other there are other elements? Uh, you know, um, 
I personally don't worry about mistakes. Um, for me, it's more about um, was I in the right position? Yes. You know, did I communicate properly with my partner or my crew? Uh, I think those, you know, to me, that's more important than worrying about making mistakes. You know, I always, I always pride myself on working as hard as I can every single game. And um, again, I think you, you said the word energy. And I, yeah, sometimes I think that, you know, when, when I am involved in a game, um, you can feel the energy, you know, you yes. can feel it from officials. And, you know, as a former player, um, you know, to see officials, you know, sprinting up and down the field or up and down the court, um, you know, that makes you feel like, yeah, like they care. Right. Yeah. So um, I self-critique my, critique myself all the time. Um, after every game, um, I grade myself. Um, I'm very hard on myself. Um, you know, as an official, you know, there are no room for errors, even though they do happen. But mm -hmm. that's the standard that I hold myself to. And for me, I don't care if it's U9 or if it's high school. I take the same approach just about every single game, except for in baseball, the strike zone might be a little different for U9 right. than high school. <laughs> <laughs> kind of has to be, yeah. <laughs> yeah but, you know, um, I just think, you know, as, a, as an official, you know, how, the moment that you walk into the arena, the field, the diamond, whatever, the moment that you are present, that's when it starts. Right. And, in, and for me, that's when it starts, is I want them to know that, you know, I'm there for them, I'm there for all the right reasons, and let's get busy. Yeah. We're joined by Jeff Jimenez this week, talking about officiating umpiring all that fun stuff you know when you talk about that like walking onto the field onto the court um i recall when i was a young umpire and and learning things all the time and uh, gary churchill who was a, a legendary baseball figure on richland he coached the uh, amateur team the reds for many years and and really was passionate about baseball he was a former umpire too and he said to me when you step foot on that field it is your ball field as the umpire like you control it and I took that to heart, but there's also a balance, isn't there? I mean, yes, you're kind of in charge of how the flow of the game goes at times, but there's also that, you know, the players are really dictating the game. It's kind of a fine fine line to walk. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, let's just talk, you know, umpiring and baseball. All right, let's just talk baseball. Yep. You know, as a plate umpire, um, I feel it's, it's my job to make sure that the catcher is on the same page that I am. Because really, we're the ones that are gonna dictate the tempo of the game. Yes. Right? Yep. So, you know, again, um, communication is so important. I think it's so important as an umpire. And I may take it to another level, because I talk all the time. <laughs> From the moment that that catcher, the very first warm-up pitch, I'm already talking to him. Yes. I'm already in his ear. I'm always talking to him. I'm going to tell him it's going to be like this all game long. I'm not going to be quiet. I'm not going to shut up. I'm going <laughs> to keep talking the whole entire game. And I think that just bridges that, that little gap right there that, hey, you know, this guy's into it. You know, this guy's here for us. And it's like I'm very approachable. And it's amazing what happens. And all it takes is just that little communication with the catcher, and we're good to go. Well, yeah, because your job, people don't always realize this. Uh, you know, we hear from the people behind us 
who think they can see through two or three players to see better than we can. But uh, when, they, when you have a good catcher and you have that communication, even just saying, hey, can you shift this? Can you give me a little better view of the plate? Can you, you know, whatever the case might be, that makes everybody's job a little bit easier. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm glad you brought that point up because in baseball, you know, a fourth of an inch is huge. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's huge. I mean, we all know the size of the whole of home plate. It's 17 inches. Everybody knows it. But really, what is the strike zone? You know, it's probably what, 18 or 19, and as they get a little younger, probably 20. Yep. Right? Yep. So, you know, establishing those rules right away again with your catcher, I, you know, that just makes the game go so much more smooth. And, you know, here's another thing is once you start that little rapport with the catcher, it's th- these are the great things about being a base um, or a home plate umpire is because nobody else knows what you guys are talking about. Right. And the conversations that I've had with these kids over the last 20 years, we've talked about everything from prom to cars to <laughs> girlfriends to fishing to hunting to football, everything you can imagine. And, you know, those are the things that, that they make me smile because then I know that they're having fun and, you know, we're going to have a good solid game. And then they're relaxed too and, and you know, when that close pitch doesn't go the way they hoped, they're much less likely to say anything. Absolutely, and you know, I'll tell them. I'll tell them right away. You know, that's like before the game. I'll always take you know two or three warm up pitches. I'll get behind the plate and I'll just tell the catcher. I'll say, okay, let me see a couple, and he'll throw a few, and then I'll let him know right away. Yep, that's in. Yep, that's in. Nope, that's out. Nope, that's in. And. Throughout the whole game, I'll keep talking to them and communicating. All right, you know where I'm at, right? You know where I'm at, right? And mm-hmm. like, yeah, JJ, we got you. Yeah, okay, I got you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sometimes enough is enough too not too much. No, I really don't think so. I mean, communication again is so important in sports, especially as an umpire. Right, and and on those occasions where you have to maybe have a more difficult conversation, you know, the kid holds the ball a little bit too long. Uh, kind of says something a little too vocally questioning the call it's really easy to have that conversation without anybody else having to listen in you don't have to make an example of that kid oh yeah i mean i had i had an example i had a situation like that earlier this season with a couple of schools where um you know the, the kid just was not he wasn't hitting the zone and i could tell he was getting frustrated so i dug in my pouch i got out a different ball and i called time and I had asked the catcher, and I said, I tell you what, I want you to go out there, I want you to exchange balls with your pitcher, okay? And I want you to tell him he's got to cool it because he's showing me up right now. Right. And a lot of umpires don't take kind to that. Yeah. <laughs> so go out there, just tell him to settle down, and let's get going. And so he did. And the kid kind of looked at me, and I saw this little kind of impish grin, the pitcher. I saw this little impish <laughs> grin on his face. <laughs> He knew where I was coming from. So, again, getting back to your point, yeah, I mean, have I lost my cool before? Absolutely. I've yelled at people and I've tossed people out before. But when it comes to that rapport with the players, um, you know, kill them with kindness. Right. And, and, and it doesn't do anybody any good as an umpire to scream and holler at a kid. Right. You know, we, we read about in the paper all too often, 
an increasing amount of problems with parents, players, sportsmanship. Um, is there a solution to this, or, or are we just hearing more about it because of the, the way the news cycle works? I don't feel like I remember growing up and having a whole lot of issues that I saw. Um, but but is it? Can we? How do we? How do we solve this problem? We'll never get rid of them all, but. Oh, you know. Uh... Uh, that, that's a tough question because I don't think that we're ever, ever going to get rid of the problem. But, uh, you know, as a parent, you know, I had, you know, two daughters. They didn't, um, you know, they were dancers, okay? So they were in competitive dance. Okay. And, uh, you know, as a parent and also as a coach at that time, I was coaching three sports in Elberly. And I really don't ever remember getting up and screaming and hollering and yelling and getting after the coach or anything. Uh, I just figured that I'm putting my trust into this coach. And if my daughter's not at the level where she needs to be, I'm going to trust her judgment. So um, I just think as parents, I think we need to take a step back and put things into perspective as to why we're here in the first place. You know, um, our is my daughter or your son or whoever, are they going to go D1? Well, I don't know, maybe, but not everybody is as talented as, as Andrew Phillips. Right, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> not, not everybody's going to get a D1. I mean, he's one of how many? Exactly. So, you know, not everybody's the diamond in the rough. Yeah. And not everybody's going to go D1. So let's just put it into perspective and enjoy it for what it is. It's good entertainment it like you said it's your best bang for your buck if you want to go out and watch sports high school sports is the best bang for your buck yeah well you know you bring up andrew and he's been on the program before uh in the when the richland heartland allendale geneva consolidated which was 1990-91 that's what my history people tell me um since that time in a little over 30 years Andrew will be the third Division One athlete we've produced. <laughs> third. Allison Anderson played basketball out at South Dakota State. And, of yeah. course, Carly Wagner up at the University yeah. of Minnesota. And now Andrew. That's three in third. That's an average of one every ten years. Yep. So you're right. And, and you mentioned earlier, hey, like it's a U13 game or whatever. And in 20 years, nobody's going to remember what happened. So it's not that big a deal. Right, exactly. It's not that big a deal. Uh, the parent thing, boy, you know, I think as parents have gotten more involved in youth sports, um, you know, I think that's when the disconnect started to kind of happen. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think as a parent, again, I think you need to try to set the best example you can for not only for your kid, but for the team and for your community. And, uh, you know, I did a tournament last weekend in Elberly, and I won't mention any teams or anything. Well, I, I will. I'm going to mention one team, and this was the U10 team from Rosemont, okay, from Rosemont, Minnesota. Okay. All right. So, Friday night, Friday night, under the lights, <laughs> 8 o'clock, 10-year-old kids were just jacked to play baseball. All right, so the Rosemont team, excellent coaching fantastic coaching great support from the parents and lo and behold team from rosemont ended up winning that game 10 to nothing all right it was a 10 run rule against uh, a team from stewartville who was, this was their first tournament okay 
you'd think by the energy that was going on in the field that it was the bottom of the seventh and the score was tied and the winning run was at third. It was that exciting. And it was a 10-run rule game. Yeah. All right? So I give kudos to both of those teams for the way that they presented themselves on Friday night. Well, the team from Stewart Bowl, you know, they got 10 runs. Well, they come back the next morning and they won like the next two games and ended up in the third place uh, third place consolation game. But let's get back to Rosemont. Again, excellent coaching, excellent support from the parents, good play, and guess who won the tournament? Rosemont. Rosemont. Yeah. So it all comes together. And the team that they ended up um, defeating, um, I won't mention who they are because I think that would be inappropriate, but they had some issues with a couple of the kids that, you know, got a little upset. One kid threw his bat, one kid threw his helmet, one kid threw his glove. Um, and the coaches sat him down, you know, for disciplinary reasons. Uh, and, you know, and it transpired onto the field because once that happened, the team fell apart and okay. the game was over. Yep. So, again, we'll put it into perspective. How old are they? 10 years they're old. 10. Yeah. They're 10. What were you doing at 10? Well, uh, playing ball. Yeah, running around, <laughs> playing ball, goofing around. I mean, you're 10. So, again, I think, you know, when you have a real positive environment and uh, it just transpires into a different level of play. Yeah. But what a great, you know, uh, to me, okay, the kid threw his bat or whatever, and you sit him down, that's a great lesson to be learned. Because, again, you're 10 years old. Don't do this. Yep. Yeah, and, um, yeah, again, 10 years old. Um, so, uh, and I'll even take it a step further. You know, it starts in the home as well. I think, uh, you know, when you have issues at home, you're probably going to have issues just about everywhere you go with kids. Right. Yep. So Unfortunate, but yes. Uh, Jeff Jimenez is with us on Whatever Flips Your Waffle this week. We're chatting about umpiring, officiating, uh, sportsmanship is the topic right now. Uh, you know, I I'm, I work with the Youth First Initiative up in Owatonna, and they kind of cover the state a little bit more now, started in Owatonna, and that's what we preach before every game. I, I meet with the coaches, and we talk about the expectations. And, you know, you bring up parents, and I'll, I'll always tell the coaches, you know, I, I'm grading out this team from sportsmanship based on the parents as well. And I'll always offer to coaches, if, if you have a parent that you're having a problem with and you'd rather that I deal with as the umpire, I'll do that. Because I know when you coach your own kid and you're dealing with parents of your kid's classmates, that can be difficult. But I find it, it pretty rare that I have to do that. Um, like I say, we have the we have the incidents that are reported on the news. Some buffoon throws his popcorn bag at a basketball official and rips his his whistle off. You know stuff like that. Um, but I think sometimes the parents kind of police themselves a little bit too. Um, other parents will say, "Hey, we don't want to do that." Right. Yeah, I've, I've run into that several times too. Um, last year. With COVID and everything, I think everybody was just happy to be outside. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. Okay. And you know, as an official, it was probably one of the the best years I think ever had. Well, this year was a little different. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, you know, I think everyone kind of was over that, and um, there was about a two week stretch during the baseball season that was pretty uncomfortable for a lot of people okay and uh 
uh, you know, me personally, um, I ended up having to toss a few parents out. Um, one game got a little weird at the end, um, and uh, I had to be escorted to my vehicle. Oh my gosh! And uh, you know, those are the those are the things as a guy that loves to officiate sports that draw me closer to retirement. Um, because I, I again, I I don't feel that there really is ever any excuse for anybody to come after a referee or an official in in that kind of a manner i just i just don't see that that should ever be ever happen it's completely inappropriate and it sets such a horrible example for the kids right. so um, right. i just think we just need to get back to just being you know nice to each other being kind to each other and just being accepting that you know this is it's sports and it's supposed to be fun it's supposed to be entertainment and I think if we get back to those days and, you know, not so much on, you know, pointing the finger at people, I think we're going to be able, we're getting along much better. And this leads to, you know, another area we, you know, we need to recruit more people to do this. There's a, there's a lack of umpires. I'm not certified anymore, but, you know, like last year I got called in to help because there's such a need that they'll rely even on those of us who haven't gone through all the protocols to be an official high school um, official or umpire but you know I've worked with enough young people over the years trying to mentor them and, and train them a little bit but all it takes is one bad experience and they say I never want to do this again oh absolutely and you know we have you know for myself I help out in Albert Lee during the summer to get officials for the baseball tournaments okay that's one of the things that i do for my good friend rich yost um you know god bless him he's an awesome guy does a lot of stuff for over the youth baseball yes he does uh, with, with you know lots of other people but um you know i do that for him and it is hard to get a 18 year old kid even a 17 or 16 year old kid to help out at a tournament when you've got people screaming and hollering at him and do you think he wants to do it for 50 bucks yeah. <laughs> you know he'd probably rather go pick rocks in some field for you know and get a good workout that way rather than getting screamed and hollered so yeah it's hard to recruit officials there is always times where i mean this spring with the exception of wednesdays I was busy every night, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I was busy every day. Yep. And this summer, it could have been the same. I mean, I could have reffed every single day, except for Sundays. Um, I actually, I could have every day because there's tournaments on Sundays. Yeah, right, right. But I can't do that anymore because I have a life. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> you, know, I, you know, I have loved ones in my life that I want to spend time with. So, um, exactly. There's such a need for umpires. And the stigma right now is parents. That's the stigma is the parents are crazy. Why would I want to do this for this little money just to get yelled at by you know by a parent and i think that's what that's what we need to figure out is how are we going to take care of this right i you know you mentioned rich yost and i know rich and and i work with uh, mark argis up in Oatana when it comes to you know he's he's mentoring and with the behind the mass program and and uh brian devos as well out of wasika helps with that but we've talked about 
you know, money's part of it, and they've raised the rate and stuff like that. I know if I come down to Albert Lee too, like for uh, uh, did some junior high baseball games down the, this year, and they're paying sixty bucks a game now for for an hour and a half of work. That's an incredible hourly rate. Yeah, <laughs> that's really good to to do something I enjoy and watch a game I enjoy. But we've talked about at some point money isn't it. You know, it, you can raise the rate and you could pay them a hundred bucks, but if they get yelled and screamed at, that's not worth it. Right, and that's that's the, that's the problem. Is yeah. again, it's the stigma attached that why would I want to do this just to get yelled at? Because it's not about the money. Right. You know, for me personally, it's never been about the money. No. Nope. It's always been about just the experience, and it's because I love sports. Yeah. Right. Well, and I, and I, you know, when I work with the young people, and I, I'm not going to hide the fact that I tell them at some point, if you do this long enough, somebody's going to yell at you. Somebody's not going to be happy. That's just that's that's unfortunately part of the game. And again, I was guilty of that when I was younger too, as a coach. Um, but I tell them it's such a fulfilling thing that if you love whatever sport it is—baseball, football, basketball—and um, and you can still be out there and you can still watch these great kids compete. Um, but but there's also you know when you do get to a varsity level, it's a nice little paycheck. It could add up uh, in a hurry, and their eyes go a little bit wide because when you're 15 or 16, um, you can get a couple tanks of gas off of uh, <laughs> a varsity paycheck these days. But but uh, yeah, it, it's really hard, and you try to at least when I'm mentoring kids, I'll be out in the field with them for a game or two. Um, I'll be doing the bases, and so we meet with the coaches, and, and it's really clear. Hey, we're trying to train these young people in. Let's uh, let's let's be on our best behavior today. Um, Absolutely. There, there's no no barking. Yeah, no barking at the balls and strikes because even guys like you and I have been doing it for a quarter century. Um, our strike zones aren't always perfect, and these kids are just trying to figure it out. Absolutely. And you know, the bottom line is, you want uh, baseball. You want to swing the bat. Yeah. You know, let's go. You know, let's play ball. Yeah. Because honestly, God, you and I both know that at a, I will just say like a U14 game, how many pitches are really within the strike zone? <laughs> well, you know, you're, now you're, you're chuckling because yeah. you know, yeah. you know what I'm saying. So um, that's just the nature of the beast. Right. Yeah, and you might have a pitcher. I thought this during a game earlier in the year, and it was the kiss of death for thinking it. I thought this pitcher's really on today, and it was fourteen year old. And sure enough, an inning later, he couldn't find the strike zone to save his life. You know, because they're kids, and and that's how it works. This isn't uh, Sunny Gray out on the mound or anything like that. So, um, yeah, what's your What's your favorite? I mean, you officiate a lot of different sports. Is baseball your favorite one to to officiate? Oh, absolutely! It's by far my favorite sport to officiate. And you know, um, I actually, you know, really never played baseball in high school. Oh, really? Okay. You know, um, to be honest, you know, there were certain pitches that once you get a little bit older, they become a little more difficult to hit. And right. <laughs> I won't name any in particular, but there were a few that I had a hard time hitting. You and I both. And, uh, you know, as an athlete, I was always, you know, gifted with some speed. So my dad thought, you know, you can't hit a baseball or the crap, so you might as well run the track. <laughs> so, but, you know, but baseball has always been, like, my favorite sport to officiate. And honestly, 
being a football player, it helps if you're big, right? Yep. It, it, and being a basketball player, it helps if you're tall. Being a baseball player, it does not matter. Yeah, that's a great point. And yeah. that's why, you know, for me, that's why I love baseball so much. Because you don't have to be 6'4 and 220 to play it. You can be 5'9 and 175 pounds and be just as good, if not better. And that's why I love baseball, because anybody can play it at any weight, any height, any size. It does not matter. You can still play the game of baseball. And that's why I love it the most. Absolutely. And I'm a basketball guy, dude. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a guy, so, you know. <laughs> You know, that's a pretty strong statement coming from somebody who's breathes football and basketball. Right. But, but there, you know, the, the officiating side of it to me is so different in baseball. I mean, I love doing football and basketball as well, but that's a very different thing. You know, in baseball, you are involved in every single pitch. And, Absolutely. And you, you don't lose your focus or concentration because you can't. Not at all, not one bit. Well, especially at a, a youth level, you, you cannot lose focus and concentration because the moment that you do, either you're going to get hurt or somebody else is going to get hurt. Yeah, right, right. So, um, you know, some of the tricks that I've learned over the years is I've learned to run um, run backwards. Oh, um, okay. So, so I never turn my back to the ball. Yep. And uh, it's just one of those things that, you just you can't you have to be focused 100 percent of the time yeah right and it's even the um somebody asked me one time like during a basketball game uh and and it was a blowout game team was up by 25 points or something and we were still blowing our whistle and calling fouls with you know a minute or so left to play why well, would just let them play just let it finish off well but that might be that kid's best opportunity to score or whatever the case might be it's that kid's chance and it's still part of the game Exactly. I mean, you still got to you still got to call the calls. You still got to make the calls. You still got to play the game. Yeah. But yeah. Again, when you get those get those blowouts, that's when accidents happen. Right. And, people, and that's when kids get hurt. Yeah, because you lose control of the game if you stop blowing your whistle, stop calling strikes the same way you had been, whatever the case might be. You um, got it. Yeah. Yeah. Every every bit's important for for every kid. What uh, as we as we kind of get close to wrapping up here, give me a couple of great memories from your years of officiating. Things that really stand out. You say, "Wow, that was!" I, I'm so glad I was part of that. Oh man! <laughs> Holy cow! Wow, we. Uh, There's too many, probably. Oh, good Lord, have mercy. Um, you know, I, I'll just say this. Um, I don't know if there's like any one or two or three that stick out the most, but the biggest, the things that stick out to me the most is like after a game, the day after, or after a tournament, the day after, um, to receive emails or text messages from coaches telling me how much they enjoyed having me on the field and they enjoyed the way that I um, you know work with the kids and try to teach them a little bit um, while I'm working with them on the field so um, you know those are the things that I always take with me and those are really the things that keep me going keep you coming and, back yep. yeah they keep me coming back because um, 
you know, I'm all, again, I, you know, we haven't really known each other very long, but I think, you know, with my commitment to NRHG football, um, I think, you know, the kind of individual that I am, and I'm only in it for one reason, and I'm in it for the kids. Absolutely. And, um, you know, kids are smart, and they know when someone's, you know, feed them a line of BS, <laughs> and they also know when someone's there, you know, for their better. And uh, I've been very, very, you know, lucky. Um, I've been very fortunate to have not had a lot of real bad situations that most of the, the years that I've coached or officiated have been very positive. And, uh, you know, I've just, again, I'll just say I've been very, very fortunate and very lucky um, to be in the position that I am right now. So, um, it's, again, like I said at the very beginning, as an umpire or you know whatever to walk onto a field and the kids when they see it when they start cheering and clapping <laughs> yes. and you know they're smiling um done yeah. we're in we're gonna have a good one absolutely. win or lose absolutely we're have a good one tonight yeah well, Jeff Jimenez, thanks so much. Uh, great always talking about officiating, umpiring, and youth sports. Uh, glad you could join us on the program this week. Well, thanks again for having me. Um, it's been fun, and uh, I'm very grateful for what you do for the sports at NRACG. And you as well. A quick follow-up to the interview you just heard with Jeff Jimenez. If you out there are ever interested, no matter if you're in the state of Minnesota or somewhere else listening to the program and you're interested in learning how to become an official, no matter what sport it happens to be, I welcome you to uh, contact me, waffleflipper22 at gmail.com or on Twitter at MrD1973. Be happy to help kind of guide you through the process. As uh, Jeff and I talked, you heard me say how I work with young umpires at times. I'm happy to mentor people and, and get them on the path. Uh, we need young people to step up and be officials and umpires. We need that to keep the games going. And um, those of us who've been doing it for quite a while, our bodies start to fail us a little bit. And uh, we'd appreciate some more people. It really is a fantastic job by and large. Um, there are problems as there are with anything else, but it's really something worthwhile if you enjoy sports and still want to give back to those sports that you enjoy so very much. And now it's time for the State of Minnesota Sports uh, the links, I, I don't even know what to say. It's frustrating when you listen to Cheryl Reeves' interviews after the games. She's so frustrated by the basics not getting done with this team. Um, you know, little things like on Sunday losing a game to the Sparks, uh, you make a furious comeback and you can't get a defensive rebound to give yourself a chance to win at the end. Instead, the Sparks get the rebound, put it back win the ball game by two. Those kind of things are frustrating when you're a coach. And it seems like that cohesion is really missing. And when we talked to Lucas Seehofer uh, before their season started, that's what he, he talked about, you know, some of the, the roster limitations they have and then they have to cut people because they need to have healthy bodies. And and um, it's been a real struggle. And Cheryl Reeves sure seems um, disappointed might be a good word to use. Uh, can they still make a comeback and get into the playoff race? Well, of course, with 8 out of 12 teams making the playoffs, still a possibility, but you can't keep losing these types of games, and you wonder if this is just going to be one of those years for the Lynx that um, good things don't end up happening. I hope hope not, but um, I haven't really had a chance to sit down and watch them 
play, but uh, certainly reading up on some things and, and checking out what other people have to say, it's been a difficult start to the year. When we swing across to the Vikings and take a look over there, uh, as you're listening to this, they have finished their second day of OTAs uh, running this week. And then next week, June 7th through June 9th, is mandatory mini camp, although I think most of the guys have been there. And that's when we'll really start to see things, I think, break down. We'll keep following up and and um, looking at what's happening there with some position battles along the offensive line, in the defensive secondary, uh, those kind of things. Um, who might be stepping up uh, among our, our plethora of what I think are really talented wide receivers? And are we getting a glimpse into the things that Kevin O'Connell and his new coaching staff hope to bring to the Vikings. Uh, I think some of those things will start to kind of glimmer through uh, over the next couple of weeks here as these guys really start to perhaps get a feel for what the playbook might be and and how things are going to operate under their new coach. But again, every, just about everything you see is, is really positive coming out of Vikings camp, and of course they're going to make it seem that way. I hope we don't have to find out, but if, if they don't start the season out winning some ball games, it'll be interesting to see what the reaction is. Uh, again, I hope that doesn't happen, but you have to be prepared for that. Um, a team coming under whole new systems offensively and defensively can be really difficult. Uh, really sad news this past week. On Monday morning, former Vikings cornerback Jeff Gladney died in an auto accident, and uh, you feel bad about that. Gladney, I thought, played well. For the Vikings in his one season, they they cut him because of um, some charges in court for assault. He was found not guilty when it came to that, and he had signed on with Arizona. Um, and it's really difficult to see those those young stars, um, whether they play sports or not, their lives cut so short in a, in a tragic thing like that. So, um, best wishes to Jeff Gladney's family, and I'm sure the Vikings, you know, those that played with him, uh, feel those effects as well our minnesota twins you know in first place this kind of up and down you get so excited and then you know the thing is when a team like this has been doing well and then they lose a game you get really frustrated and i feel that frustration and i think oh my gosh how do you lose that game to detroit where you're up two to nothing and and you blow the lead and you lose uh, to that team how does that happen well because no team goes zero and 162 even if they're not great um teams win ball games that that um that's part of the of the process if you look at the twins record in the central division which i've been you know harping on the whole season here how, how important that is it is a really good record in the central division uh monday another loss to detroit uh sandwiched around a four-game split with the Kansas City Royals and the Royals are just giving the Twins fits this year nothing's ever easy to beat Kansas City and we're seeing some young talent on this Royals team that makes you a little bit worried about <laughs> having to play them a lot in the future uh, they're, they're setting the stage for something here and and they need a little bit more pitching and and Zach Granke has seen better days that's for sure but they got some young hitters that can really do some nice things and uh, the Kansas City Royals I think we'll be hearing from them in the near future as they start to really progress. You know, we all thought 
The Chicago White Sox would be far and away the best team in the Central Division this year. And I thought following the White Sox would be the Twins and the Guardians kind of battling it out for second and, and sniffing around the playoffs and everything. But the way it looks now, it's just it, it, the, the White Sox can't seem to get any traction. The Guardians can't. You know, they lose two out of three to Detroit last week. And you just start to think, this is the Twins for the taking if you could just put a stranglehold on. The problem is, and again, as you're listening to this, um, we don't have this yet since we pre-record, but uh, the Twins will have finished their fourth out of five games against the Detroit Tigers out in Detroit. And again, you look at this and you go, my goodness, we need to win at least three games of that series. Uh, if you're really, truly going to be a special team, you want to win four out of five, and, and who knows how that's going to work. But now the tough part of the schedule comes up because by the time I visit with you again next week, they will have traveled to Toronto and they will be in the midst of a series with the hated New York Yankees. And this is where you start to say, are we really a good team? Can we win two out of three? Can you play Toronto and New York and go three and three? That would be the bigger question. Can you can you win one series and at least, at least finish that six-game stretch at 500? then you feel okay. We don't want it to be another situation like when the Houston Astros came to town and, and sweep you. You can't afford for that to happen because all of a sudden they're the White Sox and they're going to find a way to jump back into this. And, and they have to play all the same teams as we do, of course. But the, the, the struggle at keeping people healthy, the struggle at how in the world are we getting through all these days with our pitchers who most of them, can't seem to go more than four, maybe five innings. You know, Joe Ryan on the COVID list. Um, we'll see what happens if Sonny Gray can make his next start. He's been consistent. He can get you know, at least six or seven innings. And, um, you know, you have to be able to have those people step in. Royce Lewis comes up, gets hurt right away, uh, playing center field, a spot he's never played in the big leagues before. But as we've said here, that he needs to be in the big leagues. You need to find a spot for him because his bat was so good and he's such a great athlete. And unfortunately, he gets hurt. And all of a sudden, Miranda's trip to St. Paul is a very short one, and he's back with the Twins. They're really going to have to patch things together, and the trip to Toronto makes it equally difficult because the Twins have said that some of their players won't be able to go because of the vaccination status, and that's a whole thing. Um, everybody can have their opinion on it, but you know, it's, it's the rules in Canada, and so... At least the Twins only need to make one trip there this year unless they go to the playoffs, potentially having to go to Toronto. And that would make for a really interesting scenario, both for the Twins and for any team that would have to possibly go to Toronto to play in the playoffs. So a really interesting week here ahead for the Twins. Uh, can you maintain your lead in the Central? Can you show you can play with the big boys, the best teams in the league, which I count Toronto and the Yankees? If you remember before the season, I predicted the Toronto Blue Jays would be in the World Series against the L.A. Dodgers. And, um, you know, they're in second place right now in the AL East, but certainly a team that I think has a very, very good chance of making it. So we'll see how that all sorts out by the time we join each other again next week. And that's the state of Minnesota sports. And now it's time for this week in Minnesota sports history. On June 1st, in 1961, the Minnesota Twins made their first ever franchise trades, at least when they're here in Minnesota, getting Bill Tuttle from Kansas City and Billy Martin from Milwaukee. On June 1st in 1976, the Twins traded Burt Blylevin and Danny Thompson to the Rangers for Roy Smalley, Mike Cubbage, and others, plus cash. 
So we traded away Bly 11, got Smalley. Later we traded Smalley, got him back again, got Bly 11 back again, important parts of the 87 World Series team. On June 1st in 2012, former twin Johan Santana threw the first no-hitter in Mets history, beating the Cardinals 8 to nothing. However, as we mentioned before on the program, after that, his arm was never quite the same. He threw 140-some pitches or something like that. Um, it kind of blew his arm out. In 2017, on June 1st, the Twins turned the 12th triple play in team history in beating the Angels 4-2. On June 2nd, in 1986, Rod Crew officially announced his retirement after Major League Baseball owners colluded to not sign him to a contract. An auspicious end for a great player. In 2019, on June 2nd, the Twins reached the 40-win mark faster than any team in franchise history in a 9-4 win over Tampa Bay. On June 3rd, Casey at the Bat, my very favorite poem, was first published in 1888. I share that poem with my 7th graders each and every year when we study poetry, and it gets better every time I read it. On June 3rd in 1967, Harmon Killebrew hit the longest home run ever by a twin with a 522-foot blast at Met Stadium in an 8-6 win over the Angels. And on June 3rd in 2018, Eddie Rosario hit three home runs against Cleveland in a 7-5 win, becoming the first twin to ever hit three home runs in two different games. Amazing that it took that long for that to happen. On June 4th in 1976, Larry Heil became the third twin to hit for the cycle in an 8-6 win at Baltimore. In 2012, on June 4th, the twins selected Byron Buxton with the number two overall pick in the draft. Carlos Correa went number one to the Astros, and of course they now both play for the twins, at least for this season. On June 5th in 1970, Burt Blylevin made his Major League Baseball debut, and unsurprisingly, gave up a home run to the first batter he faced, but the Twins won 2-1 over Washington. On June 5th in 2001, the Twins picked Joe Maurer with the number one overall pick. I think we'd agree that's a good pick. No matter what you think of Maurer and his legacy, uh, he was a very good baseball player and certainly worthy of that number one overall selection. On June 5th in 2014, the Twins picked Nick Gordon with the number five overall pick in the draft. He's been contributing to the big league club at various places this year. On June 6th, the 1944 All-Major League Baseball games were canceled in honor of the D-Day landings in Normandy. A very solemn occasion, well worth that honor. On June 6th, the 1966, the NFL and the AFL announced their merger. And of course, our Vikings would end up in the NFL portion of that in the NFC, as they came to be called. On June 6th in 1987, a strange set of occurrences for the Twins. They traded Mark Salas, who was one of their catchers, to the Yankees for Joe Necro. Pretty good trade for the Twins. They needed a little bit of extra pitching down the stretch. Um, and they got rid of Salas. But right after a game in which Salas pinch hit a home run to tie the game in the ninth inning against the Rangers... That led to a 3-2 Twins win in 13 innings. After the game, thanks. See you later. On June 6th in 2019, Max Kepler became the second Twin to homer three times in a game twice, also against Cleveland in a 5-4 win. 
So in two years' time, they had two different uh, twins accomplish that. This week in Richland, Heartland, Ellendale, Geneva sports, for those of you in the local listening area, on June 2nd, baseball will have their second home playoff game. Hopefully that will come without a loss, and they'll be continuing on at Sibley East, hopefully on June 4th. The uh, softball team, their run has come to an end. They lost at Caswell this past Saturday to Fairmont 2-1. to A good season by the girls, certainly not as good as they had hoped. But Sophie Stork, who was on this program some time ago, is a senior, has played her last sporting event for the Panthers. And we thank Sophie for all the great memories she gave our fans through volleyball, basketball, and softball in all these years. On June 4th is also the track sections at Mankato West, some of our track stars hoping to punch their ticket to go to the state track meet. And uh, some have a really good shot. The uh, 4x800 relay team set the school record at the subsections. Quinn Van Meldingham anchors that team. She also has set school records in the 800-meter run this year. June 5th, graduation. For Richland, Heartland, Ellendale, Geneva, congratulations to all of our 2022 graduates and best of luck as they go forth into the world. If baseball is continuing to play, hopefully June 7th, that will be a game at Sibley East as well. That's going to do it for another helping of waffles here at 365sportscast.com. I'm glad you decided to tune in and hope you will continue to do so each and every week, 8 o'clock Eastern, 7 o'clock Central on Wednesdays here at 365sportscast.com. You can go to the website and check out the rebroadcast schedule. Some things have shifted and changed a little bit. You can also go to YouTube, search up whatever flips your waffle, and check out this and any other past programs if you want to see some of the amazing interviews we've had, some really great people on the program. Also, if you have some thoughts, some feedback, if you think you would make for a good interview, email me, waffleflipper22 at gmail.com, or message me on Twitter, at MrD1973. Next week, week, right back into the world of Minnesota sports. How will the Twins have begun the treacherous month of June, and can they avoid the June swoon? More on the Vikings, more on the Lynx, and anything else that flips our waffle. I'll have another special guest to delve into all that and more. Thanks for joining me. This is Mark Domeyer signing off with Sir.